Today we do wrap up our series called Small Things, Big Difference, and I want to talk to you today about the, the habits that you have in your life. What we've been doing over the past couple weeks is we've been really discussing how, you know, oftentimes you look at somebody else's life and you're like, man, I wonder how they lost all that weight. I wonder how they became so spiritual. I, I wonder how they, and you fill in the blank. And we often think that it's like these big, big changes that they made in order to get there. But what we've been discovering is what? It's not the big things, it's the, the little small things that make all the difference. In fact, our big thought for the series has been this, and it's there in your program as a reminder. It's often the small changes and habits that nobody else sees that will result in the big changes that I want. And so we've been talking about just those little small changes that we can make. Back in week one, we talked about just coming up with one word. Just one word that would guide your entire year. And if you could just come up with that one little small word, that would make a big difference in your life. And then we talked about things like how little small changes in your, your thoughts and then the words that you speak, how that can change your life as well. And many of you have been working on that. And again, today I want to talk to you about your habits. Just little small changes in your habits or what people often call disciplines that will make all the difference in your life. You see, you become re what you repeatedly do. What you keep doing over and over and over and over again is who you become. You are a creature of your habits. And so we got to be very careful about what are those habits. And we need to make, again, just little small changes in order to make a really, really big difference. So let's begin today with this question. How many of you would say that you are highly disciplined? You're a highly disciplined person. Anyone this morning? Highly disciplined? Nobody is highly disciplined. Wow. All right, so the better question is, how many of you are highly undisciplined? See a raise of hands there. Yep, yep, hands going up all over the place. You're not disciplined. Here's the argument I want to make to you here this morning as we start. I would argue that every single one of you are highly disciplined. Now, you may not be disciplined in the right things, but you're highly disciplined. So, how many of you say, you know what, I'd really like to read more in my Bible? How many of you ever have said that, right? And you're like, I wish I just had the discipline to read more in my Bible. You, you, you want that type of discipline, right? You want to be highly disciplined. You're already highly disciplined. You're highly disciplined that every morning you reach over and you hit the snooze button. You're disciplined every morning. Again, you become what you repeatedly do. That's a habit. You have the habit of reaching over. You're very disciplined at that. You roll back over, you fall asleep instead of reading your Bible. Or, you know, you, you have other things in life that you, you want to do. You say like, man, I'd really like to lose some weight. Wish I had the discipline to, to exercise and eat right. I just, I'm not disciplined. Yes, you are. You're very disciplined. You're disciplined to sit in front of the TV every night, just sitting there being lazy, clicking through the channels, eating your bonbons, eating your Twinkies. That's discipline. You're very disciplined. You just don't have the discipline that you want to have. And so again, stop making that excuse of, well, I'm just not disciplined. I can't come up with the right habits. No, you can have the right habits. We just need to make little small changes in, okay, what is it that you're being disciplined in? So here's our big thought for the day. Discipline is me simply choosing between what I want right now and what I want the most. Say that again. Discipline is me simply choosing between what I want right now and what I want the most. What I want right now is a cookie. What I want most is to be healthy. What I want right now 
is that big screen TV, high definition, ready for the Super Bowl. I want that right now. What I want most, though, is to get out of debt. And so discipline is me simply choosing between what I want right now and what I want the most. Now, here's the problem. What we want right now, it like screams at us. Cookie! TV! Whereas what we want the most is a whisper. Healthy body. Get out of debt. But what do we listen to? We listen to the loud voice that's screaming at us, right? We listen to the the desires of our flesh that are screaming, now, feed me now, satisfy me now, give me now, I want it now. We keep giving in to those loud voices, and then we complain that, oh, I just, I can't come up with the right habits. I can't do the right thing. I'm not doing what God wants me to do. Why? Because you're listening to the loud voice instead of the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, come out of that. There's a better way. Discipline is simply me choosing between what I want right now and what I want most. Again, the the challenge is to listen to the right voice. Your flesh is going to scream to you. Start Start the diet tomorrow. Start exercising next week. Start saving for the future next month. Start tithing and giving to God what he wants you to give next year. You you can always do it later. You don't have to do it right now. You can do it later. But we've got to make this small change. Make a small change in order to get big, big results and make a big difference. Now, here's another thing we need to understand about discipline. And that is we need to have consistency. We need to have consistency. You know, so oftentimes we'll get started in a, a good habit, won't we? You know, we, we go to the, the gym on Monday. We've, we've made the decision, man, I'm, I'm going to the gym. I'm getting in shape now. We go on Monday, and we go again on Tuesday, and we go again on Wednesday, and Thursday you wake up, and you're like, man, my big toe hurts don't think I'm going to the gym today. It's no big deal. Just one day. Then Friday you wake up and you're like, man, it is cold out today. I don't really feel like bundling up and going back outside there, so I'll skip another day. It's not a big, well, now it's the weekend, and you know, the weekends, that's like my time, you know, and everything. I'll, I'll start on Monday, and then what happens? Monday rolls around, and you don't do it. Or you get going and, and you've got some consistency going in a diet. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're going really good. Monday rolls around, it's a new week, and all of a sudden things with the kids or things at work or whatever, things are just frantic and hectic and stuff, and you're like, oh, I don't have time to go home and make a meal. And all of a sudden, oh, the golden arches. There it is. The siren song of a Big Mac. And a large fry, and a large Coke. And the next thing you know, you're off that diet that you're on. You had started, but the, the key is consistency. You've got to be consistent. Look, many of you, you know, you want to work out or, or something like that, and you can't say, well, you know what? I'm just going to work out like all day long, 
the very first day of the month, and then the rest of the month I'm not going to do anything. It doesn't work that way. The way new habits and, and the way we're going to make big changes in our life is going to happen is little small steps every single day. Just be consistent day after day after day after day. You can't cram it all in at once. You can't say, well, I'll just fast one day a week and you know, not eat, and then the rest of the time I'm going to eat however I want to eat. You can't say, well, you know what, I'm just going to sit down one day of the month and just read the Bible all day long, and then the rest of the month I'm not going to read any of the Bible. Any discipline that we want to have, we've got to be consistent day after day after day after day. And then days become weeks and weeks become months and months then become years. Be honest this morning. How many of you would say, all right, Gilbert, you're stepping on some toes here this morning. I, I, I do that. You know, I try to get things going, then I, I don't, I'm not consistent with it. I'm not disciplined. I am disciplined to hit the snooze button. I am you know, disciplined to go and eat the wrong thing. You ever do that? I, I do. I mean, I, I'll, I'll admit that, right? Now, here's what may surprise us, though. We're like, we all consider ourselves like sort of average, right? And that, well, of course, we're sort of like that. But do you know who else had this problem? The Apostle Paul. Like, and you've heard me talk about Paul before. I think you know by now that like Paul's like my hero in the Bible, right? I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Paul. Paul's like super Christian. You look up Christian in the dictionary, there's Paul. Great man of God. But yet, what we're about to read is he's going to say, you know what, I struggle with the same thing you guys struggle with. And that's why I love the Bible. You know, the Bible doesn't start out once upon a time and then it's all like everybody's living happily ever after and like nobody does wrong. I mean, there's all kinds of wrong stuff in here. And there's all kinds of authenticity in here of people just saying, man, I, I can't figure it out, but with God's help, I'm going to get it figured out. And that's what Paul's doing here. In fact, turn with me if you have a Bible this morning to Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Romans 7, 15. Again, Paul's sharing his struggle. He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I want. What does he say he does? He does what he hates. You ever done that before? You're like, I know I shouldn't do this. But yet you do it any, anyway, and you're like, man, I, I hate that I'm doing this. I, I'm doing what, what I know God hates. And here's the great Apostle Paul saying the exact same thing. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Paul's saying, I face the same challenges that you do. You know, we look and we're like, I should eat that apple, but that cheesecake looks really good. Paul's saying, I, I experienced the exact same thing. He goes on, he, he talks about this for the next couple of verses, and then he comes to this conclusion in verse 20. He says, if I am doing what I don't want to, it is plain where the trouble is. Sin still has me in its evil grasp. See, our problem is our human sinful nature is constantly luring us. It's constantly tempting us. It's constantly trying to get us to do the things that God would not want us to do. And Paul comes to this conclusion that, you know what, it's sin. It, it's still living inside of me. I'm just not disciplined enough myself to do all the things that God wants me to do. 
And then Paul comes to this conclusion, and maybe it's a way that you felt about yourself in the past. He says this in verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. How many of you ever said that about yourself? You're like, I am just like a completely horrible, miserable person. I can't do what God wants me to do. Paul says, I feel the same way. Oh, what a miserable person I am. He goes on, he says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He feels really bad. He's like, how am I ever going to overcome this temptation? How how am I ever going to get my walk with God where it needs to be? How am I ever going to become disciplined? Then he answers his very own question in the next verse, verse 25. He says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul says, look, it's only with the help of Jesus that we can ever be different. It's only with his help that we can ever be changed. It's only by his power that we'll have a transformation go on in our life where we're going to think more about later and what I want most than what I want right now. Paul says it's only through Jesus that that's going to happen. So how does Jesus do that for us? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about here this morning, how to become more disciplined with the help of God's Spirit. And to do that, we're going to look at another time that, that Paul is writing, and this is to the church in the city of Corinth. It was one of the, the churches that Paul had started, Corinth is in Greece, and uh, Paul's like going to write this letter, and he's thinking, how can I communicate what I want to communicate right now? What, what would really resonate with the people of Corinth? And finally, he's like, ah, I've got it. And so he starts writing to them about running a race. And the reason this was very important for the people of Corinth was there in Corinth, they had what was called the Isthmian Games. The Isthmian Games were sort of like the Olympic Games, which were also started there in Greece. The Olympics are every four years. The Isthmian Games were every two years, every alternating uh, year on the first and the third year, whereas the Olympics were on the, the even number years, but every four. And the Isthmian Games were a sense of civic pride for the the people there in Corinth. And so Paul knows, okay, if I write about racing and and running and being in the game and stuff, this is going to really, really resonate with them. So here's here's what he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to do what? Run to, you've got to run to win. The people there in Corinth and and the athletes, as they were training, they would go through this 10-month training to get ready for the Isthmian Games. And this phrase, run to win, was drilled in them over and over and over and over again. That the reason that you're in the race is to what? To win. You run the race to win. Nike would remind us of this thousands of years later, that second place is the first loser. You're not in the race to come in second. You're in it to win it. Randy Jackson dog, you're in it to win it. You know, my my particular game of choice, poker, it's called binking a tournament. That's whatever they came up. I don't know why it's even called, but it's called a bink if you win the tournament, right? And so we constantly remind ourselves that we need to think bink that the reason we enter the tournament isn't just to make a minimal cash. No, we're in it to win it. Think big. That's what Paul's saying to him here. That look, you got to run to win. That's what the athlete's doing. And he's setting him up that your life, you've got to go through life with the purpose of winning. 
You're not in life just to survive. You're in it to thrive. You're in life to make a difference. That you want to get to the end of your life and you're like, you know what? I won the game of life. So again, Paul's sort of setting them all up for this. And then he goes on in verse 25. And he says, all athletes are what? All athletes are disciplined in their training. Again, he's trying to get across that you run with one purpose in mind, with one goal in mind, and that is first place. In order to get first place, you've got to be disciplined in your training. You've got to choose between what you want right now. What do the athletes want right now? Junk food? Hit the alarm clock, the snooze? Hang out with friends? Who wants to go to the gym, the, the train, when I can hang out with my friends? Paul's saying, no, 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 you've got to choose between what you want the most, which is to win, and what you want right now. You've got to discipline yourself. And so the, the people of Corinth would have been very familiar with this process. The athletes went through this 10-month training program, a very strict diet, no junk food. I mean, everything that they would put in their body, it was meant to give them strength and endurance. The athletes during these 10 months, they would like trained in extreme heat and in extreme cold. They wanted to make sure that when the day of the race came around, that there is nothing I haven't already put myself into before that, that'll prevent me from winning. I, I want to have every conceivable thing that could happen. I've already disciplined myself to come through that. Here's how serious these guys were about winning the race. The day of the race would come, they would get to the starting line. You know what all the guys would do? They'd strip down naked. They didn't even want a little piece of fabric of clothing to, to hinder them from running faster, winning the race. Which helps to explain Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, Let us strip off anything that slows us down or holds us back, and especially those sins that wrap themselves so tightly around our feet and trip us up, and let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. So here's these guys. They want to win, and they're so serious about winning that they strip down naked. Now, if you think about it, that gives you extra motivation to get to the front, right? You want to be out front of that race. You don't want to stare at some guy's butt for the whole race, right? Whatever you do, you, you don't look back behind you either. You keep your eyes focused ahead on the goal, on the prize, that the prize is you want to win. We can learn from that, right? Don't keep looking back. Keep focused on the prize. Keep focused on the goal. 1 Corinthians 9.25 continues on this way. Here's the amazing part of this whole thing. Paul says, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. Again, this is the crazy part. These people that were training 10 months for the Isthmian Games, guess what the grand prize was? Guess what? 
first place was. You know, you win. You, you put yourself through all this sacrifice for 10 months and the right diet and all this training and the heat and the cold and everything. And you're, you're there running naked, facing humiliation, going, hey, dude, don't judge me. It's cold out here, right? You know? And it's like, you're doing all this. Why? Why did you do that? What was the prize? A wreath of leaves. All that. Congratulations, you've won. Here's some leaves. Now, if you think about it, it may actually not be a bad prize because you're naked. So, you know, <laughs> cover up. <laughs> Paul says, look, these guys put themselves through all that. They discipline themselves for all that for something that's not going to last. Just some leaves. He says, we're running this race called life for a purpose and for a higher calling, for a greater grand prize, and that is eternal life with God forever and an abundant life right here and right now. He says, so if they'll be disciplined to do something uh, for something that won't last, why won't you as a follower of Jesus be disciplined to do something for an eternal crown that's going to last forever? lot to think about, isn't it? That the reason that we discipline ourselves is so that we can glorify God's name and honor God and know that one day, not because of our good works, but because of who He is, that we're going to be able to spend all of eternity with Him. Absolutely amazing. And you know, all of us have seen, you know, athletes that have gotten on steroids or other performance-enhancing drugs. And the reason they do it is why? Because they want to win so bad. They want to be the best so bad. Now, that's illegal for them to do that. And here's what's really neat. God gives us the ultimate performance enhancer. That's the Holy Spirit. God so wants us to win this game of life that he says, look, I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you my power. You don't have to do this on your own. You're going to have my help in order to do it. And so it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to become disciplined. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to overcome our flesh. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us to overcome sin. It's the Holy Spirit that's our secret weapon. Paul goes on and he says this in verse 26. So I run with purpose in every step. every step. Now, again, he's talking about life now again. It's like, I have purpose in every single step that I take. I'm not just going through the motions. I'm not just out for a jog. There is purpose in why I am running the race that I'm running in life. He continues on then in verse 26. He says, I am not just shadow boxing. Here he's switching to another sport that was part of the Isthmian Games, boxing. When you're shadow boxing, what are you doing? You're, you're boxing with an imaginary opponent. But Paul wants to make it clear that as followers of Jesus, we're not shadow boxing. It's not an imaginary opponent that we're facing. The opponent that we're facing is Satan himself. And Satan wants to kill you. He wants to kill, or kill you and steal from you and destroy you. That's what a win looks like for Satan. Paul's like, this is real. We're, we're in the game. We're not just shadow boxing. 
We've got to knock out the opponent, and you can't do that by yourself. It's only through the Spirit of God that you'll be able to defeat the enemy. So Paul says this then. Here's how he does it, verse 27. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Now remember, Paul started out this whole discourse today saying, I don't do the things that I know I should do. I do the things that I hate, but yet now he's saying, I discipline myself to do the things that I should do. Well, what changed? Well, it's not that Paul became self-disciplined. He became spirit-disciplined. He got to the point where he said, you know what? What life is all about is I've got to listen to that whisper of the Holy Spirit, that still small voice that's telling me, don't, 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 don't do that. Or, yeah, I want you to do this. I want you to go serve that person. I want you to go help that person. Paul says, you know what? In my own flesh, I'm like, no, I, I could spend that money on myself. I can get the big screen TV. I could get the, the new chariot that just came out. Or, you know, oh, I, I want to do this particular sin. And Paul says, in his own flesh, yeah, I did those things. But now he's saying, I've disciplined my body so that it listens to the voice of the Spirit. I discipline myself so that when the Spirit is whispering, I've tuned in to the Holy Spirit station. It's like, you know, your Pandora or any of your other things. It's like, what's it tuned into? It's tuned into the Holy Spirit. And so isn't that cool, Paul, this, this great example that we have of Christianity? He says, my flesh is weak. I can't do it. I mess up. But he says, I've disciplined my body to listen to the Spirit. I've trained myself. And the reason I've trained myself is I want to win the race that I'm in. I want to win the game of life. And it's the same for us. You can win the battle. You really can. You can get to the place where what matters most is more important than what matters to you right now. You really can run with purpose in every single step. You can get to the point where you're like, no, Twinkie, I'm not going to hate you right now because I'm saying yes to a better body. No financial temptation. I'm not going to give in to you right now. Because I want to get out of debt. You can say no to pornography now because you want to honor your spouse. You can say no to every single whim that your children have because you want to raise world changers. Yes, you are weak, but he is strong. Remember what we looked back in verse week, or in first week, in week one of this series. And we, we looked at a scripture, and it, it simply said this, and it's not by our might, it's not by our power, but it's what? It's by His Spirit. It's by the Spirit that you can say yes to what matters most and no to that screaming voice of your flesh right now. It's through the Spirit that you can become 
discipline. Now, I know some of you are going, well, Gilbert, this is easy for you. You're a pastor. You must be very disciplined. And the answer to that is, no. No, I'm not. Just because I have a different title than you do doesn't make me better than you. I'm just like you. I struggle with the same things that you do and, and, and discipline and stuff. But like Paul, I try my very best to say, you know what? It's not about what Gilbert wants. It's not about what my flesh is crying out that Gilbert wants. It's about listening to the voice of the Spirit and, and disciplining myself that when the Spirit speaks, I don't care what the Spirit says, I'm going to do it. And again, I still even mess up with that. But life is so much better when you'll just submit your life over to God and listen to the voice of the Spirit. And so I want to give you something I, I think may help you here. In preparation for this series, I, I read a book, and it's called Many Habits. And I've actually read it twice now because like, I read it the first time. And I was like, wow, that's really good. And so I read it again. And it's actually based off of a premise I learned a couple years ago. But it's basically this. You know, oftentimes we're like, man, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to work out for a half hour every single day. I'm going to go on a diet and I'm going to like eat right every single day. Or I'm going to, you know, do this exercise. And we have all these things that we intend to do. We have good intentions. But yet oftentimes we lack the willpower to do it, don't we? Because some days we have the motivation to do it, and then there's some days we're like, oh, I just don't feel like doing it today. And so what this book talks about is many habits. Let me illustrate it for you. <coughs> Take your finger like this. Everybody do this real quick. This isn't going to hurt. Everybody do this. Hold up one finger and touch your nose. Okay, very good. Now, how much willpower did it take to do that? None. Why? Why did it take very little willpower? Because it was very easy. It's like, okay, it doesn't matter if I'm sick. It doesn't matter if I have a headache. It doesn't matter what's going on, you know, if I'm mad or whatever. I can touch my nose. No willpower was needed for that. What you want to do is get all of your habits started through many habits. Like touching your nose took no willpower. You want to do things that take absolutely no willpower. So instead of saying, you know what, I want to exercise a half hour every day, here's what you do. You say, my goal is I'm going to do one push-up every day. Just one push-up or one sit-up or whatever. Just one. You're going, well, that's stupid. How's that ever going to help me to lose weight? How's that ever going to help me to get in shape? By itself, it won't. But here's what you'll discover. When you get down to do your one push-up, guess what you're going to think? Well, while I'm down here, might as well do another one. Now, remember, the goal's only one. As long as you do your one push-up a day, you've met your goal. You can be happy. You don't have to beat yourself up because isn't that what we do? Oftentimes, New Year's resolutions and any of the goals that we set in life, we start it for a little bit and we have the willpower and we're doing it, we're doing it, we're disciplined, we're disciplined, and then all of a sudden something happens, we don't have the willpower one day, we're out of it, we beat ourselves up about it. We're like, oh, what a horrible person I am. But if the goal's just one a day, touching your nose, that was easy, right? Getting down, doing one push-up, that's pretty easy. 
and then see if you have the motivation to do a little bit more. If you don't, you're done. If you feel like doing more, you do more. And so the, the guy in the book, he says, set stupid small goals. That's what he called it, stupid small. To the point you're going, well, this is stupid. I mean, <laughs> well, then you know you have a good mini goal, a mini habit. So what, what are some other things you could do? How many of you ever said, man, I wish I could read more of my Bible. I wish I could get into that habit of reading more of my Bible. Yeah, right? Read one verse a day. Just read one verse a day. If you feel like reading more, read more. If you don't, you met your goal. You can feel good. I read my Bible today. But again, what you're often going to find is that you will get a little bit of motivation to, to do a little bit more. Some of you uh, saw my blog post this week that, you know, I used to blog every single day, and I did that for years and years and years and years and years, like six or seven years that I every day wrote a blog post. And then I sort of got burnt out on it about four or five years ago, something like that, probably about right around the time we were really busy here, and I was like, I got other things to do. Um, and so I, I cut it back to a little bit, and then I thought, no, I got to get it started again, and I was trying to do it a different way, and I got in a habit of sort of a different way, and then I got unmotivated to do that. So I wanted to start this back up again, of blogging again. So you know what I'm doing? 50 words a day. That's my stupid small goal. You know how much 50 words a day is? It's like two or three sentences at the most. And so what I'm doing is I'm just writing 50 words, and if at the end of the 50 words that's enough to make it a whole post, then I'll post it. If not, then the next day I'll add 50 more words and 50 more words and 50 more words until I do it. So sometimes maybe I'll post daily, and sometimes I'll post once a week or so. I don't know what it'll be. I'll just keep adding 50 words. Here's what's funny. Last weekend when we had the big snow and all that kind of stuff, I was wore out. I don't know about you guys, but I was wore out from all that shoveling and stuff. I'm used to sitting at a desk, you know, typing and doing stuff. I'm not used to, like, shoveling and doing all that kind of stuff. I'm wore out. And I was like, oh, i got to do my 50 words. Now, if I said I have to do a blog post today, I would have had no motivation to do that. But I was like, 50 words, I mean, that's only a couple sentences. I'll come up with something. I don't feel good. My head's throbbing and everything. But I can at least come up with 50 words. Well, guess what? I ended up writing 400 words, and I didn't feel like it. And so what I've been doing is I've just been getting into this habit every day of these little stupid mini habits, all right? And there's actually a, an app for your phone if you want to download it. It's called Habit Streak, Habit Streak. You can download it, and it helps you set all these up, and you can just put it in what your mini goals are, and it'll ask you every day, did yesterday, did you do your one push-up for the day? Did you read your one Bible verse? You know, whatever your many habits are going to be. But again, make them stupid small, like touching your nose. Oh, I can do that. I can touch my nose. So that's your assignment as we wrap up the series here. We've talked each and every week about like these little small things you can do. That's your small thing. What is the one discipline that you've been wanting to have in life? And maybe you've tried it in the past and you haven't been able to do it. Or maybe it's a new one. You've never even tried it. What's the one discipline you'd like to have? Set yourself a, a mini habit and then just start to do it every single day. Just get consistent with it day after day after day after day. And ask the Holy Spirit to every day just prompt you, prompt you to do it. I'm doing the one push-up-a-day thing. 
Last night it was 11.56. I'm actually in my office. I'm running through the message here and stuff. And so I'm, I'm actually talking about this. And I'm like, oh, I didn't do my, my thing because my grandfather's in the hospital down in D.C. He had a open heart surgery this week. So we were down there and doing everything. And so it's literally 11.56 last night. And I'm like, oh, I didn't do my one push-up yet today. So I got down and did my, I think I did five. And, you know, and, and that was it, right? And I was like, okay, good. I did it. And I felt good. Now, had I been in an exercise program, and it was 11.56, there's no way I'd have gone, oh, I'm going to the gym now, right? So you just keep setting these stupid small goals. In fact, there was one guy in the book, not this book, the other book, <laughs> in, the, uh, in the Many Habits book, his goal was to lose weight, but he couldn't even get to the, the Many Habit of doing one push-up a day. That was still too big. It took too much willpower for him. And he's like, I know I got to go to the gym if I'm ever going to lose weight and everything. So here was his stupid small goal, to drive to the gym every day. That was it. As long as he got in his car and he drove to the gym, he had permission to drive right back home. And he could feel good that he met his goal. But what happened was he starts driving to the gym and he's like, well, while I'm here, I might as well go in and do something. And the guy ended up losing a ton of weight. It was, it's a really cool story. So stupid small goals, ask the Holy Spirit to each day prompt you, to remind you, to do all your little things that you need to do, and to give you the power to have the discipline and the consistency to keep on doing it. So again, this whole series has been about, you know, just small changes that can make a, a really big difference. And so if 2016 is going to be your best year ever, you've got to have one word. What's that one word that's going to drive you? You've got to change your thoughts. You've got to change your habits. Small things, big difference. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, these past couple weeks and the opportunity to start out a brand new year by looking at your word and what it says about how we can make these changes in our lives. And as we've seen, if we're faithful in the little small things, God, you will entrust us with so much more. And so, Lord, I pray that we would continue to live by our one word and the, the one thought that we came up with and the, the phrase that we came up with two weeks ago and that we would come up with a mini habit that would just start just this process in our lives, just the one mini habit or one little thought or one little word that in and of itself doesn't change us. You change us, God, but it's through those small steps of obedience that when we're faithful in those things, you'll, you'll give us the next step and the next step. And as we continue just to stack those things one on top of the other, as we saw throughout this series, that ultimately shapes our character and our character is going to shape our destiny. And so, Lord, help us. Help us not to take lightly what we've heard these past five weeks. Even though it sounds small and insignificant, it really isn't. So help us to be obedient to the voice of your spirit. To realize that the goal is to win the race of life. But we can't do it on our own. We need you, Jesus. We need your spirit and the power of your spirit doing only what he can do. Lord, I thank you that in the coming weeks and months and years, we're going to be able to look back on this series and people will be able to say, wow, that was... That was the, the series that changed my life. And Lord, I, I'm thankful that when people ask them, how did you do it? What were the big changes that you made? 
that the people of Exponential will be able to look at them and honestly say, you know what, it wasn't a big change. It was just a commitment to making small, little changes. And you can do the same thing. And that that would give people hope and inspiration that their lives can be transformed by you as well. God, thank you in advance for doing that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.